Praise the Lord this morning. Anybody got testimony while I'm getting ready up here? Ephesians chapter 2 is where I'll be this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. I believe I will read the entire chapter this morning. There is 22 verses. I am going to read that. But I'm only going to cover this morning the first three. But I want us to read the whole chapter to get the context of what we're going to be preaching on. um, Because... Uh, we, we've uh, uh, some people have uh, expressed concerns of what I'm preaching. I'm just trying to preach the Bible this morning. I'm not trying to make you believe one doctrine or not. Uh, I'm not getting into theology this morning. I'm just trying to preach the Bible. So please don't fall out with me and misunderstand me or anything like that. Uh, I'm not trying to preach eternal security or I'm not trying to preach this or that or the other. I'm just trying to preach Jesus um, because all through the book of Ephesians I find the love of the Father. I find grace that is unmerited that is uh, uh, undeserving, but God's grace is enough to forgive us of all of our sin. Amen? Amen. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that despite of all the theologies in the world, all that needs to be preached is Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, and ourselves your servants unto Him. And that's all I'm trying to do this morning. Uh, the Lord laid the book of Ephesians on my heart a few weeks ago, and, and I knew that it was a touchy subject. I knew people can uh, uh, misinterpret uh, things, and, and maybe, um, uh, maybe I've said things that have been misquoted or whatnot, uh, um, but it doesn't matter how you believe uh, because I'm just preaching Bible, and the Bible says what it says, and it means what it means. We don't have to get into a deep theological discussion or a, a deep context of what it uh, what the hidden agenda behind it is or anything like that because it's plain. It's so plain that a child can understand it. And what we as human beings and what we as adults want to do is we want to overcomplicate the scriptures and Jesus Christ never intended for us to do that. It is the simplicity of the gospel. Do you remember when I preached on that? I preached on that last October, November, the simplicity of the gospel. Listen, it's ABCs. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that you can be forgiven, and confess with your mouth, and thou shalt be saved. Amen? Amen. On the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's all I'm trying to preach this morning. I, I, want us to, I want us to have a deep theological understanding of the Scripture. I want us to grow spiritually. That is why God has called me to be your pastor, is so that I can help lead you spiritually and have a deeper understanding of the Word of God. I'm not here to preach topical sermons. I'm here to preach the Word of God. So I want us to all understand that. I want us to be, all be on the same page. I don't know why I felt led to say all this this morning, but I just did. Because uh, a few Sundays ago, if y'all remember, when I started Ephesians chapter 1, the devil fought me tooth and nail all service long. And he ain't going to win, bless God. He ain't going to win because I serve one greater than he is. Amen. Greater is he who lives in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So I'm just going to preach the Bible because when you preach the Bible, the devil has to flee. Amen. When you speak the word of God, when Jesus spoke the word of God unto uh, Satan himself, Satan had to bow in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So this morning, that's all we're going to do this morning. I'm just going to touch on a few verses, but uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand because it is long reading. 
So Ephesians chapter 1, my title this morning is Marvelous Grace. And that will be the, the theme throughout all of Ephesians chapter 2 is Marvelous Grace. Uh, and I've got a song here, uh, Grace That Is Greater Than Our Sin. Page 232. I ain't going to sing it because I don't know the tune of it. So I, I, I just know that it's a song and I've heard it on the radio, but don't ask me to sing it because I, I probably couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. So, uh, But I'm going to say this. Verse 1, it says, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, that where the blood of the Lamb was split, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Can we agree that, uh, that God's grace is greater than our sin this morning? Amen. Amen. Through the book of Ephesians chapter 2, I hope to uh, uh, shed light on how good and how great God's grace really is. Because I think what we tend to do is we think that God's grace is this small amount that, that if we uh, uh, do this ungodly sin that he's not able to forgive us. But the Bible says that there's only one unpardonable sin. And we know what that is. It's the blaspheme of the Holy Ghost. And that is a very hard and difficult sin for an individual to commit. But it is possible. Because if it wasn't possible, the, the Word of God wouldn't have it in there. But no matter what sin is in your life, whether it be lying, cheating, stealing, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it might be, God's grace is able to forgive you and set you free from that sin. God's grace is what comes and fills our minds and is able to release us from the oppression of our sin and from the depression of our guilt because that's what causes depression is our guilt in ourselves, our shame. It causes depression and, 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 and anxiety and fear. And God's grace is able to just free us. Free us. The word of God is truth. Uh, so uh, this morning he has uh, set us free this morning. Cassie, my notes down there with you. <laughs> That's happened before. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He, uh, ha, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Can I get an amen there? For he is our peace, hallelujah unto the Lord, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning as humble as we know how. Father, I ask you today, Lord, to help me to crucify my flesh. God, I pray that you'd give me the words to speak this morning. God, and I pray that you'd help us to understand what you want us to know. And God, that we might grow uh, uh, closer to you. God, that we might have a deeper sense of the Word of God. Lord, that we might fall in love with your Scripture, Father. And Lord, that we might know uh, who Jesus is on a personal level. Father, I pray, God, that you'd make your grace known unto us. And God, I pray that you'd fill us with your grace and your mercy. Father, we love you today. Father, for you are worthy, and Father, I ask you today, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, God, that I may uh, do that which is pleasing in your eyes today. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I want to reread verses 1 through 3, and it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, I want us to understand this morning, first and foremost, I've got uh, a couple points, uh, not this morning, but throughout this chapter, I have four points. And my first point, my main point, uh, that I want to cover this morning is what and where before Jesus. I want us to understand what we were and where we came from before Jesus Christ. And it starts in the Garden of Eden. Amen. It starts way back in Genesis. And that is called the depravity of man. We have to understand, and I've always heard all my life, that before somebody can get born again, before somebody can get saved, they first got to get lost. Amen. They first got to understand that they were lost and in sin and on, on their road to hell before they can know how good and how gracious their God is to get born again and have life put into their lives. Amen. We all understand that this morning. So this morning, I really want to cover on who and what we were before Jesus Christ. Because until we understand what and where we were 
before Jesus, we can never fully appreciate what God did for us at Calvary. Because, listen, we, we think, boy, that was a great work at Calvary. No, it was a marvelous work at Calvary. It was something that no other man could do. Amen? We couldn't do it ourselves. There's nothing, not enough money in this world that we could buy and, and have that done. And until we understand how sinful of a nature that we really are, we cannot appreciate God's gift to mankind. Amen? So he says, And you hath he quickened, in verse 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now why would Paul say, and you hath... Now he's talking to a church. Amen? He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's, he's enlightening them that, hey, you are born again, you have been made alive, but this is where you were. He's taking them back to uh, uh, allow them to uh, visualize what they were before Jesus Christ came into their life. And he is making sure that they understand that there is nothing in themselves that earned salvation. There is nothing good. Amen. In Psalms and in Romans, he said, There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Jesus, or the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, he was making sure that the church at Ephesus understood that, listen, it's nothing that you've done. Amen. It's not by works of flesh. Right? Our, our works of flesh is, is unrighteousness in the sight of God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, uh, Isaiah said. So he was telling them, listen, you've been made alive. You've been quickened through Jesus Christ, but this is who you were. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Because when God created Adam and Eve, he created them from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into their nostrils, and man became a living soul. They walked and talked with God. They worshipped God in the cool of the morning in the Garden of Eden. They had a perfect, uh, they had perfect weather. They had not known what rain was. They had not known uh, uh, what sin was. Listen, they were walking around uh, uh, in their birthday suits, and they didn't know what sin was. Bless God. Wouldn't it be amazing to not know what sin was? I mean, honestly, to be totally perfect, to be a child of God, and to never know what sin was. The only sin that God knew of was Lucifer when he was in heaven, and he boasted himself and said, Well, you know, I'm such a great music leader. I'm such a great worshiper. I think I just want to make myself be God. And God the Father said, No. No, sir. Not going to allow that. Cursed Lucifer, kicked him out of heaven. He said, from this day you'll crawl upon your belly forevermore. He, he, uh, Brother Everett preached a fine message on hell Friday night, and, and he stated this, that hell was not created for human beings. Hell was not created for you and I. It was created for Lucifer and all of his angel army that, that went against God in heaven. And therefore, God had to kick them out and, and make a place for them. And, and I never thought about it. But when he said that the worst thing in hell would be that you could see heaven from, from hell, boy, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? Knowing that you, uh, you could have been there. See, Lucifer and his angels, they didn't have to get kicked out. They could have just submitted themselves unto God. They could have worshipped God like they had been for all eternity. And, and everything would have been hunky-dory. But because of Lucifer's pride, he puffed himself up and thought, well, I, I can be God too. And therefore sin entered. Therefore, that's why uh, in Revelation 21, the writer said, I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth because the, this heaven has already been polluted. The, the heaven where Jesus Christ sits, it was polluted when Lucifer uh, raised himself up against God. It was polluted. So there has to be a new heaven and a new earth because Adam messed up this earth. Right? Lucifer ruined heaven. God created Adam so that he could be perfect, so that he could be holy, so that he could worship God by free will. Notice, when God created Adam and Eve, he did not give them a mechanism to make them live for God or worship God. He gave them free will to do as they pleased, but in doing so, he had, uh, and I don't like to use the word hoped, but he uh, wishfully thought that Adam and Eve would choose to worship him. But... Like so many of us. He, he wants that for us too. Amen. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to be conscious of, uh, of our choices so that our choices worship Him and uh, honor Him. But in, in the garden, just like He does to so many of us, Satan, in the form of a serpent, slithered his way up to Eve, got into her ear. I don't know if he might have laid his head on her shoulder or might have just been on the side of her. I don't know where his position was. Maybe he was wrapped around the tree and maybe he was just hanging down and, and making fun of Eve. But he whispered sweet nothings. You ever heard that phrase, sweet nothings? That's a Tennessee talk, maybe some Oklahoma talk. But he whispered sweet nothings in her ear and she believed him. And see, that's exactly where the sin of man comes from and it's not from the woman. Listen, the man is the head of the house. The man was the spiritual leader. The man was in charge of, of keeping her spiritual condition. And, and if you're a husband, if you're uh, 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 the man of the house, it is your duty to make sure that your house is spiritually led. Amen? That's the word of God. Adam's responsibility was not to till the ground and to work the ground and do all this. His job was to make sure that him and his wife worship God. And reverence God. That was his job. But the serpent came to Eve and whispered sweet nothings to her. And she thought, well, this is so good. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I, surely the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is, is fine for me to eat. You know, maybe. You know, what if I just touch it? What if I just touch it? But as she touched it, the Bible says that we are drawn uh, when uh, lust is conceived. When uh, we are drawn away, amen, of our own lusts, James chapter 1, I believe it is, uh, and, and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Eve was drawn away. She was enticed by that tree. I didn't know I was getting all over this this morning, but we got to go back to beginning to understand where we came from and what we were before Jesus Christ. Eve partook of the tree of knowledge. She ate of that fruit. Some say it's an apple. Some say it's a banana. Some say, uh, and I've heard some off-the-wall stuff, so, and I ain't going to get in, like I said, I ain't getting into theology this morning. But she said, boy, that fruit is delicious. My favorite fruit is a good, ripe strawberry or a good, ripe pineapple. I love fresh pineapple. The best pineapple I ever ate was in Hawaii. That's just a side note. Uh, but Hawaii has fantastic pineapple and I don't know what the fruit was that Eve partook of but I can tell you this 
it satisfied her flesh. It was so good to her that she thought, boy, I've got to share this. You ever had a really good piece of cake? Well, if I've had a really good piece of cake, I ain't sharing it. <laughs> but if you had something so good that you just had to share it with somebody, you just had to tell somebody about it to hope that maybe they would partake of it and enjoy it themselves, right? That's what she did to Adam. She went to Adam and said, Honey, I know I wasn't supposed to, but, but this little guy, this, this beautiful creature came up to me and, and told me that if I would just eat of this tree that, that I would be as, as God and that I would know right from wrong and that I would, you know, be different. And they were different, wasn't they? See, when you let sin in your, your body, you'll be different. And not a good different. They were already different. They were created by God. They were created to worship God. They were perfect because they were created in His likeness and His image. They were already different. But they changed. They became a different different. And it was a bad different. So Adam thought, well, if you're like God and God created us, Sure, I'll try it. Sure, I'll eat of it. And as soon as he put his mouth to that fruit, man's spiritual condition died. Because God told them, the day in which you take part of this tree, in the day in which you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. Is that not the word of God? In Ezekiel chapter 23, I believe this, he said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So we've got to understand that if you are living in sin, if you are in sin this morning, you are dead and you are separated from a loving God, a holy God, a just God. You are separated eternally from Him. If you do not change your ways in that dead condition, you will experience the second death, which is eternal separation from God. I thank God that the uh, separation that man has from God today, it's not eternally too late. Because God has given every man the opportunity and the time of repentance. Now, uh, in the Old Testament, we know that that repentance came from uh, the sacrifices of lambs or rounds or bullets or whatever it might be. Uh, and once a year they would bring a lamb to the high priest. He would sacrifice for his own sin. He would go within the veil to the Holy of Holies. He would ask God to forgive the sins of the people. Yada, yada. God, and, and listen, it wouldn't forgive the sin. I understand you. It wouldn't forgive their sin. It would just push it back to the next year. So uh, imagine the little sin that Adam and Eve did in the garden. That was the original sin. That, that's where the depravity of man came from. But because there was no way to totally forgive the sin. Listen, Jesus Christ, he was there. He seen it all happen. He knew, it, he knew everything that was going on. Amen. We believe that, right? Amen. We believe that God, uh, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is all three in one. And the one in the middle died for me. Jesus Christ, the, word, uh, the living word was there. When Adam sinned against God, he seen God make coats of skins for them, but it did not forgive their sin. From that time on, for thousands of years, 
Man could not have the forgiveness of sins and become in total unity with God the Father. We were dead. And our sin just kept piling up and piling up and piling up and piling up. Every time the priest would uh, offer the sacrifice every year, the mountain of sin would just get bigger. And man's low estate would just get deeper. We just got deeper as the mountain of sin got higher. Our, our spiritual separation from God, we got lower. So we got to understand that where we came from by nature and who we are by nature is sinners. It ain't your fault. It ain't your fault that you're a sinner. It's Adam's fault. But because uh, Adam sinned, he cursed all mankind. And I believe it's the Hebrew writer that says uh, that by one man's disobedience, death passed upon all men. But by one man's obedience, uh, he given us righteousness. And I know that ain't verbatim, but just bear with me this morning. We've got to understand that we are dead. I was reading this morning during Sunday school. Uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby said that the sinner is dead, disobedient, depraved, and doomed. I got some definitions for you. Dr. Charles Ryrie said that the word dead means to be separated from God because of sin. This is spiritual death. If a man continues in this state by continuing to reject Christ, spiritual death becomes second death, which is eternal separation from God. What a sad, sad place to be in. That's why it's so important that this week in the revival, that's why the message after message after message, God was trying to urge us and stir us to share the gospel and the grace of our loving Lord Jesus Christ with somebody to try and spare them from this eternal separation called hell. The word dis, uh, disobedient means to refusing to obey rules or someone in authority. The word depraved means morally corrupt or wicked. The depravity of man is due to the original sin of Adam. That's what I've already talked about this morning. The word doomed means to likely to have an unfortunate and inescapable outcome. Mankind without Jesus Christ is doomed. Because there is an unfortunate and inescapable outcome for sin. Do we understand that? Y'all are awful quiet this morning. I'm not, I'm not getting off the wall, am I? I'm in the Bible. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Not just a spiritual death, but also a physical death. And an eternal death. Not saying that the spirit of man will ever die. It won't ever die. Like uh, Brother Everett said Friday night, man is uh, created by immortality. The, the spiritual man is immoral. or uh, Im, Not immoral. Well, we are immoral. But we're also uh, immortal. Uh, and, and so if we do not confess our sins and be born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are eternally doomed because of our sinful state, because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, all men who do not profess the Lord Jesus Christ will die a sinner's death and be eternally separated from God. It is inescapable. When that day comes, when the day of judgment comes, 
their doom is inescapable. But thanks be unto God this morning that your doom is inescapable. Because of Jesus Christ, you can be transformed, you can be different, you can be changed. And like I said last week, your whole destination can be reversed. This morning we got to understand the depravity of man. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Brother Everett Wednesday night preached to us on how to walk in the Lord and how to walk with the Lord and how to walk in the Spirit. But here the, the Apostle Paul is teaching us that not only were we dead, but we were zombies. Right? And before you come to Christ, that's all you are. You're a zombie walking in flesh because you're dead. You can't, make your own, you, you can't make decisions or choices for righteousness' sake because you're dead. You can't eat spiritual food because you're dead. Right? And so he is telling them that not only are you dead, and, and he's making sure that they understand they're dead spiritually. So where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, they were walking, they were doing it as they would. And, and listen, the church at Ephesus uh, they had their issues, right? But in Revelation chapter 3, uh, this was the one that said, uh, Jesus told them, I wish that thou wert hot or cold. They were lukewarm. No, that's Laodicea. Sorry, wrong church. Church at Ephesus was the one that left their first love, right? Revelation chapter 2. He said, you've done great things. Man, you, you, you've won people to the Lord and you've done this and you've done that, but you've left your first love. So I, I see that the church of Ephesus, they've done a great work for God. But somewhere in their history, uh, their love for the Lord had got cold and indifferent. And they, they didn't really have that close relationship like a spouse, uh, like a husband and wife is supposed to have. They didn't have that close relationship with the Lord. Like I preached on Thursday night on knowing Jesus, not just as your Savior, not just as your Lord, but as a friend and a, as a constant companion, being that close relationship uh, every day he's, he's telling them that you walked according to the course of this world 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 through 10 says this know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God all of those things is how people are walking. That is what they did. That was their conduct. That was uh, their character. That was their habits. That was their hang-ups. That was their hookups. That was uh, everything that, that they did. Every word that proceeded out of their mouth was uh, cursing and lying and vanity because that was walking after the course of this world and that was because of sin. They had no option. They'd walk after sin and, and before you came to Christ... You had no other choice but to live in sin. Right? Uh, King David said that in sin did my mother conceive me. So we all know that, at, at, and I'm not going to get on that, on the babies. And, and listen, I believe that the children that, that passed before the age of accountability, they, they're in heaven, bless God. All the aborted babies, they're in heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. David said in sin did my mother conceive me. From the time that he was raised as a child 
up into his teenage years, into his age of accountability, whatever age that might be. Listen, everybody has a different opinion on that. My wife got saved at eight years old, bless God. I believe that I, I believe they can, amen. amen. And I believe that God's able to keep them saved. But King David, as he grew, he had to submit himself to the Lord. Amen. The Lord anointed him to be king over Israel. But that did not take away his sin. He sinned with Bathsheba. He killed Uriah. He done other things that, that was sinful in, in, in God's eyes. And he was walking after the course of the world. That's why even though we are saved, even though we are born again, we still have a sinful nature. And so sometimes that still means that we're going to mess up and slip up and sin, right? Because there ain't not one of us in here that can raise their hand and say, Brother Ben, I ain't sinned in over two weeks. You're a bold-faced liar and you need to get an altar this morning. You say, well, Brother Ben, I ain't sinned since I've been saved. Well, bless God, you need to repent this morning. <laughs> Because we're all sinners. We can't help it. It's our nature. We have no option. And our nature, our Adam nature, will not be delivered until the day that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Amen. What we got to do is make sure that our spiritual condition is in shape, right? Make sure that our spiritual man is close to the Lord Jesus Christ, that our spiritual man is covered by the, Lord, the, the Lord's blood that he sacrificed on Calvary's hill. Just as Adam and Eve got covered with the coats of skin, we got to make sure that ourselves are covered by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We got to make sure that the blood is applied to our life. But just because that blood is applied to your sin or your heart, and your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, does not mean that you are delivered from the sin of this world. You're walking after the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Boy, don't you hate him. I hate him every time that a bad thoughts come through my head. Whoa. Preacher Ben, you're saying that you have bad thoughts? Well, of course I have bad thoughts. It's what you do with them. It ain't that you have bad thoughts. or It's not that you have a, a, a wrong thinking that's the problem. It's what you do with those thoughts that, that leads to destruction. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We could not control our impulses to disobey because God's word says to do this, but our nature says to do this other thing. God's word says, let me satisfy the inner man, but our nature says, let's satisfy our flesh. Ain't it amazing what God did? And I'm not getting into anatomy this morning. But God all God gave us senses. God gave us feelings. And God gave us, uh, and I'm not trying to get gross and, and all far out and left field. God gave every one of us hormones different so that we could experience different feelings and different emotions, right? Because he loved us. And he gave us that free will. But because of that, our sinful nature, we want to please our flesh. We want to please what makes us feel good. We want to please uh, uh, our infirmities, right? We want to please what this flesh uh, feels and our emotions and, and whatever can, uh, if we're feeling sad, we want to try something that makes us happy, right? 
And that is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's the spirit of uh, uh, the oppression of sin. It's that shame. It's that guilt. The prince of the power of the air, we all understand that that is Satan himself, right? We understand that that's the devil. Now, um, I understand this, uh, and I actually learned this not too long ago, but the devil can't be omnipresent, meaning everywhere at the same time. Ain't that amazing? Anything that happens to you, anything that tempts you or binds you or controls your thinking, he's got to go to God to get permission, right? He's got to go to the throne of God and say, hey, can I do this? But then he sends his angels, Satan's angels, the, the demonic spirits, the demonic angels. Some of y'all may not believe in that, but it's in the Word of God. I, I believe it. I believe that uh, demons can control your mind. Listen, your mind is the devil's playground. And what you let come through it is up to you. You, you can control what comes in your mind by what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. Amen? Because what we see with these eyes comes into our minds and if we linger on it it'll go down to our heart and therefore bringeth on sin right I'm preaching Bible this morning Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 says now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft hatred Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, endings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These things is what we do when we are dead in trespasses and sins. Right? Now, I, I didn't, I'm not going here yet, but in the very next verse of Galatians 5, 22, it says, But the works of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, kindness. And I'll get to that maybe next Sunday. But Paul, again, is telling the church at Galatia, if you do these things, just like he told the church at Ephesus, you're dead in trespasses and sins, you're walking after the course of this world uh, by the prince of the power of the air uh, and, and you're fulfilling uh, in verse number 3 of Ephesians chapter 2 it says among whom also we all had our conversation time past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's what Paul was telling the church of Galatia that we are fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind because of the spirit that works in every child of disobedience. It's a sinful nature. We have no control over that. But understand this, that because of these sins, as far as Tennessee is from Oklahoma, that's how far your spiritual condition is from God. Theoretically. I promise you this, that your sinful state and your sinful separation from God is much further than 750 miles. It is much further than that. Don't misunderstand me. I was just trying to make a joke, trying to lighten the mood. Everybody can laugh. Everybody can enjoy what I'm telling you this morning. And, and bless God, if you're born again, you ain't got to worry about anything I'm preaching on. 
But I don't know your heart today. And there might be somebody here that needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to know who you are. Listen, I first had to realize that I was on the, on the road to hell. I had to understand that as a 14-year-old boy, I had a lot of sin in my life. That if I would have died at 13 or 14 year old, I would have busted the gates of hell wide open. Why? Because I was walking after the course of this world. The Bible says that the, the, uh, uh, the prince of the power of the air, he blinds the eyes. So sin blinds your eyes and you don't know what you do because you're blinded to it, right? I know there are certain things that happen in marriage that maybe I don't realize, but Cassie realizes it because her eyes have been open to it, but I don't realize it because my eyes are still blinded by it and I'm still the one that's doing it. And I can't change until God opens my eyes to show me, hey, Ben, you're wrong. You need to change. You need to open your eyes so that you can fix this. And then God opens my eyes and I'm able to address the issue, right? So in order for us to address the issue of our sin, God has to take off the blinders of our eyes, show us that we are sinners, that we have no hope in this world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 that if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most is miserable. But thanks be unto God, I have hope in Christ beyond this world because I can be delivered from this sinful nature. Warren Wiersbe in the first three verses uh, of Ephesians 2 said that Paul gives us a full length description of the terrible spiritual condition of the sinner. Like I said, if you're born again this morning and you've been saved a long time, if you've been delivered from this a long time, bless God, this don't apply to you. Well, it does to an extent. Don't just get your shovel and toss it back to the next person. But I want us to grasp the true meaning of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Because Paul is trying to lighten their eyes. He is trying to tell them, listen, you're saved, you're born again, but you were dead. Like This ain't, this ain't just a, a small matter. See, a lot of people think, well, getting right with the Lord is a small matter. No, it is the greatest thing on earth that you could ever have a, happen to you. And until you understand how great of a sinner you were, you'll never understand and appreciate the fullness of the grace of God. Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 31 says, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace? For we know him that saith has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Sinful nature. A bad nature. A dark nature. A depraved nature. A desperate nature. A dead nature. I'll be honest with you. Before I met Jesus Christ, I was as bad as the child molester. 
as the axe murderer, as the thief on the cross, as the Roman centurion that nailed him to the cross. I was as bad as as the person who who is uh, living in homosexuality. I'm not I'm not saying that they're a bad person. I don't misunderstand me. But my sin was just as great as their sin. My sin was just as great as as that that person who is on death row, who who is a, a serial killer. My sin was just as great as theirs. And I cannot fathom for the life of me why a man would come and die for somebody like that. When you understand how sinful you really are, the love of God will amaze you. Someone said, can you uh, uh, describe the love of God? Well, I can sum it up in this one verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that it... Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Amen. And the love of the Father has been shed abroad in our hearts so that we can be born again. I cannot fathom Romans 5 and 8 says, But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or even in 5 7 where it says that Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, I cannot fathom that. I cannot fathom that God would send his only son. He didn't have two or three sons. He had one son. That he got to spend eternity with. And he know all he he loved Jesus. But he loved him so much. And he loved you so much more that he was willing to give his only son for your sin. And when we get a hold of that, and when we grasp how great of a love that God has for human beings, then we can experience the marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Amen? Amen? Then we can understand the fullness of His grace and understand that His grace is greater than all of our sin. Now I'm not done. I, I, tonight we'll go through verses 4 through 7, but I'm going to close with this. Uh, I'm going to close with this quote by Warren Wiersbe. I know y'all don't like him. I, I quote him so much, y'all just like got numb to him. But that's okay because he, he blesses my soul. Uh, and, and I hope that this quote blesses you. Just don't even pay attention to who said it. Just, just act like it's, you know, one of your favorite writers. I don't know. But he said, the unbeliever is not sick. He is dead. He does not need resuscitation. He needs resurrection. That's pretty good if you ask me. Because somebody who is sick, who is passed out on the floor, if you know how to do CPR really well, you can resuscitate them and bring them back. Right? You are a goner. I'm serious. Miss Sue, if you will, you can come play. If you're not too cold, I, I see you cold back there. But I, I'm wringing wet up here. We were not sick. Listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sinners that are sick that, that the devil has just polluted their mind and twisted their mind so bad that they are just pure evil in their minds. But you know what? My Lord Jesus Christ is able to set them free from that. He is able to deliver them from that. He is able to write their name in the Lamb Book of Life. Even with that, He is able to take His blood and to take their black mind and their black heart wash it in his red blood and bring it forth whiter than snow. Now somebody try and explain that to me. Red and black don't make white. 
See, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I can't understand how far of a sinner that I was, how deep in sin that we really are. I can't understand the grace of God and why he would do what he did. But he did. And boy, I'll praise him for all eternity for it. I'll be forever grateful for it because his grace is greater than my sin. This morning, maybe you're born, maybe, and I'm looking around, and I, I don't know your heart this morning, but maybe you have never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never realized that, well, I'm a good person. I go to church. I pay an offering or pay my tithes, and I try to sing along with the songs, and, you know, I, I love everybody there. I enjoy coming to church, but... I've never made that decision. See, if you never make that decision, you will be eternally separated from God's grace forever. Going to church ain't enough. Paying your tithes ain't enough. Singing the songs ain't enough. You must be born again because you're dead. You were dead. And the only way you can be made alive is through the power of Jesus Christ. So this morning as Miss Sue plays, I hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart today. Christian, if you have sin in your life, God is able to forgive that sin because His grace is greater. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Can't you just hear the words from, the, from those keys? Oh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart. I hope he's speaking to yours. Because the Holy Ghost is playing that piano. Miss Sue ain't playing that piano. The Holy Ghost is all over that piano. I can hear every word of it. It's speaking to you right now. Speaking to your heart this morning. You say, well, Brother Ben... I thought I was saved. I thought I got saved. I've tried to do right. I've tried to live right. But there is a difference in thinking you're saved and knowing you're saved. There's a great big difference. And I'll tell you the difference. Thinking you're saved will keep you eternally separated from God. But knowing you're saved will bring you in constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. Bring and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life and give you a home in glory land. He said, Jesus Christ came to give you eternal life. Eternal life. If that's you this morning, will you come pray?
one line of that song says, infinite grace. Oh, thank God for his infinite grace this morning. He never runs out. He's waiting for you. We're about to close. Heavenly Father, I bow before you right this moment, Lord, as humble as I know how. Father, I've surely tried to preach the Word of God infallible and without error. God, I've tried to please you, Lord, to the best of my ability this morning, God, to preach and to help understand the depravity of our sinful nature. God, to try and help uh, bring to light for us to understand that just how far away from God we truly are before Jesus Christ. But God, if we just call upon your son Jesus Christ for the redemption of sin and for the forgiveness of sin, through his blood, he has made us nigh unto you, Father. I ask you today, Lord, that you would touch these that are here in this auditorium this morning. I pray, God, that you bless them. I pray, God, that you touch them. I pray that you'd bring us back tonight, Lord, uh, for uh, a sermon that is more lighter. Uh, because uh, this sermon was dark, it was heavy. Uh, but God, we have to understand our sinful nature. We have to understand that while we are all sinners and while we need a Savior, while we need the grace of God, while we need the forgiveness of sins, and why Jesus had to die. Because God, if we do not ever know the depth of our sin, we will never be able to acknowledge the depth of the love of God. And Father, I praise you for loving us while we were sinners. I thank you, Father, for bridging the gap of eternity so that those who were in sin could come and confess your son, Jesus Christ, and be brought nigh unto you. God, be with us today. Lord, I pray that you bless each one here. And God, I pray that if this message has spoken to somebody's heart, and if they don't know you, I pray that you deal with their heart. I pray, God, that you put them under the Holy Ghost convicting power of the, uh, of the Lord. And God, I pray that they would call upon your name before it's eternally too late. God, if there's someone here that is unsure in their salvation, I pray, God, that you would uh, help them, Lord, uh, to cry out to you, Lord, and to pray and to seek you, God, that they may know that they are saved. And Father, I pray that you just touch each one today. God, bless the, uh, the sinner and bless the Christian. God, and I pray that you would bring the sinner unto you. And, Lord, I pray that you would make the Christian a, more, a better disciple for you so that we can win the lost at any cost. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. For those of you that are...